Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Maureen Johnson, a number one New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of many YA novels, including a collaboration for Let It Snow, which is now a Netflix movie. Today, Maureen joins us to give some insights into Hello, Crow Heart. Maureen takes us on a fantastic journey to London in the summer of 1967. For anyone living at that time, what a great trip down a memory lane. For those who weren't, what an adventure and experience. So let's meet Maureen to learn from her about her work on Hello, Cruel Heart and her work in general. Maureen Johnson, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, it's very exciting. Today uh, happens to be the launch of a brand new book, Hello, Cruel Heart. How exciting is to have another great book coming out? Oh, it's, I mean, it's great and it's springtime and I can go outside a little bit. So it's very exciting. To, it feels like a, feels fresh and new and spring-like. Feels good. And perhaps right in the midst, or, or well, hopefully not the midst, hopefully toward the end of a p- pandemic, it feels like a, a great gift and, and really great hope. Yes, and much of the book was written during a pandemic, so it, it does feel like, a for me, it's a little bit of a punctuation mark. Oh, so, hopefully for all of us, yes, punctuation mark. Exactly. So th- that is interesting, writing during the pandemic. Do you think that that had any kind of impact or influence on the book at all? I think it had a lot of influence on it. I wrote it early on, uh, so it was... It was really written when New York, because I live in New York City, and when we were sort of in the middle of that worst part of the pandemic, um, when everything here was was very bad. And um, even going into, because I live in a building with elevators and it's, I live in a tall, you know, a tall New York City building. So even going into the hallway was risky. So everything felt... Um, you had to be careful about everything. So I was just inside. I was largely kind of confined to this one chair because my husband also had to set up his work and our dog was in there. So we were just trying to, we were all kind of smooshed into a room together. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go on a mental vacation to London in 1967. And I think I got very immersed in because there was no outside world really to distract. <laughs> very, I was there. So there's pros and cons to that, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. certainly there was just, there was nowhere else to be. Mm-hmm. So, and you could really, you know, indulge. You're like, well, if I really want to indulge in re-listening to all this music, because uh, I wrote so much of it really based in the music and the feel of that time, I was like, I will watch all these shows, these movies, re-listen to every one of these albums because I can, because... Uh, also, because something has to fill the day and something has to distract from just being inside. <laughs> right. So, again, I guess parallel to wanting to get into more of the nuts and bolts of 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 the book of Hello, Cruel Heart. But the fact that then you were immersing yourself, maybe it was a sense of getting more in depth with it than you might have otherwise, do you think? I don't know. 
know. I mean, I think I would have gotten in depth. Certainly, I would have gotten in depth with it otherwise. But it had a very peculiar. Certainly, the time had a very peculiar feel. Um, and to what extent that really comes, it's it's going to always going to be unclear. But I, I definitely have a very vivid sense of sitting in this one chair and just really drilling down, and being able to kind of go there and stay there in a way that wasn't ever really interrupted by going to the store, mm-hmm. going to have to travel and do other things or see people. It, you know, you really you got to sort of stay on the one note. And and maybe get that stronger relationship in a way with your characters. Yeah, I think so. I think that we were all looking for uh, I ended up writing three books last year. So, I mean, I really was just like, you know, it's being housebound for writers can be an advantage. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think we were all just in, obviously we were all in a very strange headspace and we all went through various things and in, into various mental places. And I think certainly a lot of people really got into books and reading and every you know puzzles like everybody we were all looking for things to safely do inside right and yes reading was definitely a huge yeah. i think a, a, across not just the country but probably around the world but we're so lucky with, with our libraries and this of course yeah. uh, hello crow heart will be right in there uh, right now probably as an audiobook but Soon, we hope that the hard copies will be there as well, and we can get back into paper as well. So the timing of this, too, um, part of it is that uh, we know Cruella de Vil. We are aware of Disney in the past. Uh, the, The new movie is coming out, and this was your opportunity to delve deeper. But how is it that you chose to write this book about Cruella? Well... Disney was making a movie about Cruella, Cruella's origin story. And I was approached about, about this. Um, and when I saw what period would be the buildup to the movie, so the movie takes place in the 70s. And when I timed it back and realized where and when Cruella or Stella, as she's called, would, would be living in London in 1967, I jumped on it very quickly because for two reasons. One is that I love Dodie Smith and who wrote 101 Dalmatians, but she also wrote a book called I Capture the Castle, which is one of, it's so good. If you've never read it, it is just this amazing, it's, it's early YA, but it's, it's, it's incredible. And I love it so much. And B, because I've always been upset, like truly since I was a teenager, deep down hardcore obsessed with that time period specifically in london and all of the things that were coming out of it uh the music the art just all the social changes i really had a a a standing granular knowledge of that that i've carried for years and i was so excited to be able to use it and i just started talking nonstop to the editor about and she could go to granny take a trip and then she could go here and then they would go here and then here's all the things I could use and then there would be this going on and she was like oh you know 
Oh, God. <laughs> what did we sign up for? So th- this was just a, a, a almost a, well, no, exactly, a perfect gift for you because your passion yes. was already living there. Yes, absolutely. I mean, truly a, a, a granular knowledge that is useful never, never has this been useful to me. And I just want to talk about it all the time. And there's never been any, you know, there's only two people that are like, Maureen, tell me all the thoughts in your head right now about this. I was like, finally, a book I can, I can tell people why this period was so exciting and what all the, some of the great stuff that was going on, good and bad. (laughs) Well, a couple of things come to mind. One is this is very exciting for all of us who get to read the book because then we can immerse ourselves and either learn or relive some of that uh, excitement and and uh, all that went on in the era. Uh, but I th- the other part of it is that what's exciting is it's like for anyone who has these ideas roaming around in their head in their in their uh, in their bodies is don't give up hope because there may come a time that it's just the right time for all of it to come pouring out and who knows what the result will be also you make your own time in this case it was a connection with something like you know cruella is coming out and um there's this movie that's going to be also this, my my obsession extends from the sort of late 60s through the through the 70s. So I, I was like, you, you, I, you are in my wheelhouse. Get on my boat. But you if that's you know, if you have a, any area of interest, you make your own time um, and don't shy away from your your area, that, that thing that you love. You know, it just you in general for with most books, you would you make your own time. You don't have to, this, this was just, in this particular case, it was, a, it was a thing coming together. Right. And all of that is beautiful. Uh, heartening for, for us, uh, if we're thinking about being writers, already a writer and thinking forward, or whatever the career may be, I, I love your passion mm-hmm. and your encouragement uh, along this line, Maureen. That's great. Well, I think you have to... You know, you, you're a writer if you write. And good, bad, whatever you think, you, as long as you do it, you're writing and you're a writer. And I think that there should be more important. Like there, It's so important, I think, the time you spend, say, as a kid or as a teenager, all of those things you really thought about and got into and the music that you listened to and that time you had to kind of think and play and ruminate on things good or bad sometimes can be very fruitful that time you need to spend just getting into something uh, I think is really important and it can stay with you in a lot of really good ways so this has been a passion for so much of your life were there any surprises as you continued into developing the story and putting it all together um, surprise. I think that I'm not sure if surprises were the word. I, I had to shape the material. I wanted to really shape it along the lines of a big classic story um, to, to fit in with the, the, the arching story of, of someone like Cruella. 
and also just to lead it into the next story that's coming, the film story is, you know, it, it, it's, it arches into that. It doesn't connect to it directly because there's a, there's a gap of several years, but I so enjoyed, um, you know, I got to read the script and go read all, see all the set walkthroughs and everything. And I was, I was genuinely so enamored of it um, that I, I was, in this particular case, reaching towards that to try to say, here's how this person can get to about where you're going to see them next. So in many ways, it's, it can be very helpful sometimes when you're right to, to have a thing that you're reaching towards to see like, I'm, you know, let's see how we can get this character from here to here. And in the case of Cruella or Estella mm-hmm. in the book, yeah. why was she such a good character to to delve into more deeply? Well, everyone loves a villain. And, you know, people, there, there, there's a question. You know, are people born bad? Are people end up bad by circumstance? A little bit of, is it a little bit of column A? Is it a little bit of column B? Um, what personality traits can be exacerbated. So how does a positive personality trait flip? You know, is ambition positive? She's very ambitious. She wants to be a fashion designer. And and ambition is one of those personality traits that really is a hair trigger. It It can propel you in all the right ways. And then it can flip and it can pass that middle point into something darker. And because she is so driven by ambition, I feel like gauging that needle and how that needle is wiggling um, was very interesting. And that's the balance you had to really strike with her. Like, where does she, how, where does she flip? And that's explored more in the movie, but she, you know, the flip begins in this story as well. You know, the hurt, the, the wants, she wants to be a designer. She wants to get into the world that she sees around her. That's so close. She's living in London. She's seeing all of these, amazing things happening, but she lives in a bombed out building with Jasper and Horace and they have to survive by stealing. And she wants what's so close to her, but it seems unreachable. And she, she has enough internal strength to reach and get it. But when does that internal strength kind of flip over into something nastier? Right. So did you find that she would talk to you? It, it was that part of the, the story moving forward? No, my characters generally do not talk to me. Um, I, I, yeah, I, that, yeah, that, you can certainly hear them. You can hear their voices quite clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, when it, when it's working, you can, you know exactly what they sound like. But uh, if they actually start talking to you, um, uh, call for help. <laughs> uh, I think um, because you, while you should hear them really clearly, I think that it is always important that you are the one in charge. Right. And you, and you have the story elements or kind of the framework of where you're going. So it's, it's evolving that way, right? Yeah. We had, a, I didn't really have a framework for this one. I got, you know, this was, I just knew what was coming in the future but there was no framework for this story. Mm. So I got to, you know, I got to drop her into London and, and really kind of, I, I was 
it was it was like being in the amazing race or something like you drop down and i had to figure out without a map how to get her to where she was going parameters are great when you're riding they can be whether externally imposed or self-imposed giving yourself a, a like a starting point and a point that you're trying to get to can be um is immensely helpful because that a lot of times the most creativity comes out of just a couple parameters that you have to work within. There's a lot of arguments in art about, you know, parameters or, you know, is it good to have limitations? Is it good to have things that you have constraints that you have to work in? Some, I've always found a couple self-imposed constraints, any kind of a framework that you want to, that you need to work within, you can, you know, a canvas is only a square, but you can do a lot within the space of a canvas. So constraints are very helpful. Mm-hmm. For me. Yes. <laughs> so in terms of the London of the 60s and, and your fascination with it, yeah. uh, of course, you weren't even born at that time. But no. uh, since then, have you had an opportunity to travel there and spend some time? I've, I've spent, I spent a lot of time in England. I have lived there. My husband's English. Um, so I've lived in London and uh, so I know it well, and I, I really, uh, yeah, having an English husband and having lived there, it, it's very close to me. It's a city I know well, uh, and I know it well geographically. I've written other books set there, so um, I know a lot about its history. And, um, yeah, it, it's, again, it, it got a little embarrassing at points because um, – some of, right down to some of the addresses that I put in this book, um, you know, where she ends up living with the characters Magda and Richard on Shane Walk is uh, it's historically significant. And some of the people I put on that street at the time with her really did live there, really were the neighbors. <laughs> um, so have it's, um, I, love, I love maps. I'm a heavily map-based writer, so I always map out where everybody lives and, you know, where, where all the locations are and how it, I love a map. I guess I really love some constraints more than I realize, but um, yeah, I, I'm very London centric. I've written, I guess, five other books that were set there. So that just, yeah. Oh, so that lends really lends the authenticity to it that it's not just research, but that really walking those streets and seeing the, those particular buildings and being inside some of them. Yeah, I think that, uh, for example, I wrote a book called The Name of the Star, which has a, the premise is that somebody has started recreating the murders of Jack the Ripper. And when I started working on that, I forced myself to walk to all of the locations that were in the canonical Jack the Ripper killing. And then I made myself be able to walk them without a map. Um, I, I'm very strongly connected to really feel like really knowing where you are in space. So I've walked, I uh, wasn't able to, I probably would have gone back over cause we would have gone to see my husband's family I would have gone back to London to really walk around some of those pathways again, just to know exactly where I wanted to sell it to be, but I wasn't able to. Um, so it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of recall, 
but uh, I think it's I've been around those places enough that it's uh, that it's that it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess I yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I would have I would have gone. So I had to travel in my mind. <laughs> but having lived there just yeah does lend that different feel to it. Uh, mm. That's just that much um, what more real than having just the research of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, you know, it takes place over a summer. And there is a quality about an English summer. English summers are extraordinarily beautiful. And they're really soft. And the days are very, very long. The sun, some, you know, the height of summer, the sun kind of doesn't go down to almost 10 o'clock at night. And there's a, there's a gentleness to the English summer um, that has always kind of it's a beautiful place to be. So I guess in my mind, I was like, I am transporting myself to an English summer, specifically an English summer where the most colorful, exciting, loud, explosive things were happening. And wasn't that then probably just a, a great escape from what was uh, happening around us where we had to be shut in and not able to get out very much at all so you could escape in your mind? Oh, I had, I was like, Estella, you're going, you're going out today. You're going to go shoplifting. You're going to go to a club. You're going to see, you're going to run off to Stonehenge. You're going to go, um, you're going to go from house to house. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> and you know, what's great is this, um, while this is labeled a YA novel, all ages are are going to love it, but it's really great that it is YA because um, until kind of more recent history, there was just such a dearth of literature available in, in this particular right. genre. So it's, you know, you're doing such great work to provide such great material for for being able to, to delve into characters and places. So, uh, yeah, great work. I've gotten to see, I started writing YA in 2004 and I've gotten to see how things have developed um, over the last how many years now? Is that 17? About uh, yes. Can I do math? Can I add? Yeah. Um, <laughs> had to stop and think. And that is, this has been the, you know, the YA explosion. There's been ups and downs, but it's certainly exploded in popularity. And YA is, it's young adult literature, but that really just means that the characters, the main, at least the main character, is of teenage, that they're a teenager. But the readership is any, you know, you just is anybody really. It's there's loads and loads of adults that read YA, and there's there's younger readers too. You know, you definitely see very, you know, you see kids with advanced reading skills who are eight years old that are tearing through YA books. Like have, they come up with stacks of them and they're like, I've read them all. And you say, you're eight. And they say, I know, but I like to read. So, and they, you know, they, everybody's coming at it either, you know, the, the, the younger ones are looking up, the teenagers may, are reflecting on the present and uh, older readers are not even looking back, but, you know, we all kind of reflect on, our own origin stories. So, you know, everybody's coming at it from a different place, but why it really is for everybody, truly. It's, and it's not that the writing is any lesser. 
No. You know, certainly, definitely not. So it's for everybody. Yeah, it that's absolutely true. I, I love young adult literature. And this Hello, Cruel Heart is just right there in the top mix of wonderful material to read. And um, before we uh, have to finish up, we should mention your website because there we can get more information and insights about the other books that you've mentioned and that you've written and just more about you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Maureen Johnson. I'm on Instagram at Maureen Johnson Books. And I've posted a bunch of stuff on Instagram recently that's like a little mini tour of 1967 London because I wanted to. <laughs> and my site is MaureenJohnsonBooks.com. And there at the website is where I noticed that it mentions book events. So, of course, right now it's it's still virtual. But um, yeah. that is a great way to uh, Instagram. Having that tour sounds like a great opportunity. But um, through the virtual online opportunities, it's another way that people can see you, meet you, connect with you. There's, there's ups and downs to it. Obviously, you know, being able to meet people in person is, is great. But the nice part about the virtual events is that there's no barrier to entry. You know, a lot of people can't go to things because they're like, writers never come to my town. I'm not, I don't have a car. I'm not able to get there. The fact that anybody can go, I think, is one of the benefits to all. You know, it's one of the few benefits to, like, you get to see more things because they're virtual. So I have a virtual event. Oh, I think it may have passed. By the time this airs, I'm doing one with Holly Black tomorrow. Um, I'll be doing one next week with Dana Schwartz, who hosts the podcast Noble Blood. Um, but yeah, any, anybody can come, and that that I do like. I like things that are easier for people to able to be able to access. Right. So that is a, a great opportunity. And hopefully going forward, um, just as any of us who have had the opportunity to work from home, we'll see a combination of this. Kids will be in classes, but there will also be the option perhaps of virtual classes. So the same here is uh, having all these ways to connect with your with your audience, with your readers. Yeah, I think the future is going to be a mix of in-person and virtual events. And that's great because that means more accessibility. Exactly. Well, not that you haven't been quite busy enough. Three books during this time of the, epide- of the epidemic, yeah. yes, the pandemic. Uh, are you working on another or more? I am. Of course. I am. I have. Uh, there's another book in the works. Um you basically, one gets done, dust off your hands, then you grab the notes from across the desk and go, and now you. <laughs> so it, no, um, no surprise, I guess, for uh, a woman who is a child just dreamed that that was going to be her work. She was going to be an author, and here you are. Yeah, I have no other skills. This, <laughs> is, this is what I do. <laughs> well... You know, with the skills that you have, the wonderful books that you produce, I guess, who needs to have another skill? You can just keep on on replicating this, creating new fantasy, new visions, new stories for all of us to enjoy, right? Well, that's the goal. I mean, they don't they don't let people like me say work in uh, 
help landing planes and things like that. It's it's best that I that I'm that I am where I am at home writing the books. Nothing, no dangerous tools involved. <laughs> well, we're glad that your computer, if that's what you're using, or pen, is what your tools are, because uh, this book that we've been talking about, Hello, Cruel Heart, is just wonderful. It's brand new. So our opportunity to delve into another great story. And Maureen Johnson, I'm so grateful that you're here to share some insights on it and uh, about your life. So thank you so greatly. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. This is a Sunday morning shout out for WOW! Washington Outdoor Women, who has a mission, that is, to teach traditional outdoor skills to women and girls, and by doing so, prepare and encourage them to become good stewards of our natural resources. This past year has put the brakes on these gatherings and experiences, so to fill a gap, WOW brings forward a new meaning to the acronym, Words of Wisdom. Words of Wisdom is a blog featuring WOW instructors and other women who will share their outdoor skills and nature-loving expertise. For example, a few of the first blogs are about raising chickens, keeping bees, and shellfish harvesting. Future blogs will be about nature writing, gardening for wildlife, hunting, foraging, and falconry. The blog will also include information to refresh outdoor skills as warm weather approaches. WOW's goal is to blend the theory in these blogs with the practice you may have begun at a WOW workshop or ventured out on your own to try. The hope is to help build up your base of knowledge for the days to come when we can all safely gather together again outdoors. New blogs will appear the first week of every month, so check the WOW website often. It's WashingtonOutdoorWomen.org forward slash blog. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Maureen Johnson and Sunday Morning Magazine with Bonnie Marcus. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of reading great stories and creating your own great story. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women, on Warm 106.9. Good morning.